My name is Christina, and thank you for checking in to the Home for Raven OCs. This is a podcast where I guess I talk about our original characters, the good, the bad, and the self-inserts. Uh, guest, would you like to introduce yourself? Uh, yes. Hi, my name is Daniel Adkins. Um, I'm a guy on the internet, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I do things, including occasionally make weird characters. And that's what I'm here to discuss today. Apparently. I don't know. I was totally shanghaied into this. Not not true, but... <laughs> Pronoun check? Uh, he, him. Awesome. Yes. Good to know. I also will respond to they, them, but, like, not in the way that, like, I identify as non-binary, if that makes sense. Okay. That's yeah. good to know. That is good to know. I don't think... I don't know if we will have an occasion to address <laughs> to address everyone in this call as they for the there's no plural there I guess there's no third person it's, it's just two people so. yeah yeah <laughs> and then I got distracted by thinking about tenses of conjugated pronouns language is a confusing thing isn't it and yet language so, is indeed very confusing <laughs> and yet it's so like necessary for just our daily lives as human beings it's fascinating mm-hmm mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But thankfully, this is this is not a linguistics podcast, because if it was, I would have to have at least a couple of more uh, degrees of higher learning. <laughs> but yeah. what I am qualified to talk about is original characters. So who are we talking about today, Daniel? So today we are talking about uh, Jerome Joseph, uh, also known as Paragon. A yes. character that has lived in one form or another in my head for almost a decade now, I think. Oh, wow. Long runner. Yes. Yeah. It's um it's interesting. Should I just like get into the like the creative history behind him or should I like tell you about the character first? Yeah. I personally, I like to start with creative history because then that informs like the character's backstory as we go to. Okay. Uh cool. So I first created Paragon way back in high school. I want to say this was like, had to be around like 2014 or so, um, mm-hmm. 2014, 2015, somewhere around there. Um, cause I was, um, so, so, uh, full disclosure, I am a huge comic book nerd. I've, uh, loved comics mm-hmm. for many many years um you know superheroes especially and uh in particular dc i was always a big dc guy uh growing up um and like many people uh who were dc fans 2011 to like 2015 was a very frustrating time to be a dc fan because that was when the new 52 happened um ah yes yeah um And I, in particular, was very much seeing a lot of kind of, like, I was very much frustrated with the comic book industry and just, like, what I saw coming out of, like, Marvel and DC. Uh, Which, to be fair, Mm -hmm. that that has not changed, and I actually work in comics now. I'm actually a comic book retailer. Um, Yeah, yeah. And the frustration does not go away. It just changes (laughs) and gets redirected, I suppose. Um, 
But anyways, uh, I had been thinking about um, the Mark Wade and Alex Ross comic uh, Kingdom Come, which was kind of uh, those two creators mm-hmm. sort of ranting about the modern state of comics back in the 90s. Um, okay. And I was okay. like, you know, it was kind of like, like that book, if, if you haven't read it, is basically Superman versus like the 90s anti-hero archetype um and all that okay i thank you for clarifying that because i was going to ask if that was one of the alternate universes where everybody is like in medieval armor that kind of a thing <laughs> kind of it, it, it it's it's a basically a dark future where um a 90s anti-hero basically nuked kansas and superman was very sad about that and so he goes away for a little bit and then comes back (laughs) yeah (laughs) um yeah it's it's a very 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 iconic story um and it will come back again in a little bit so i had sort of thought about uh you know as an aspiring comics creator myself um i was like okay well what what would my sort of like if I were to do kind of a, a story like that? What what would I do? And the idea I came up with was called Reality Break, which to make a long story short is basically uses uh, like characters who are basically pastiches of pre-established Marvel and DC characters to like build the universe mm-hmm. in order to like comment okay. on it, um, kind of similar to Watchmen. Real Sorry. quick. Yes. When you say that you wanted future break? Reality break. Reality break, thank you. When you say that you wanted reality break to kind of be a response to Kingdom Come, like, what were you responding to? Like, were you responding to, like, what circumstances would have to take place to cause this much of an ideological shift in, like, the characters? Or were you, like... It was making um, something like sorry spite. <laughs> it was it was more a response to sort of the state of comics, particularly DC, like uh, at the time, because basically all the history of the characters had been thrown out. Um, and mm-hmm. so I mm-hmm. came up with this story where a speedster basically goes back in time on in an adventure and then returns and notices that everything has like his entire reality has changed, like. People who were alive uh, like, are now dead, and characters have new backstories, that kind of thing. And in this whole thing, he learns that uh, basically a big cosmic Dr. Manhattan type um, has actually been altering history for like years, and nobody noticed um, until he did. Uh, and part of the idea was that there was going to be this big superhero war, uh, but in kind of a reversal of what typically happens with DC stuff the Superman archetype was not going to turn evil it was actually going to be the Batman archetype that turned evil and the Superman archetype was going to like stay true to his like values and all that and that was the Mm -hmm. first iteration of Paragon um at this point had no character he was just a stock like Superman analog um yeah yeah quick side note in 2016, uh, DC Comics literally made a comic book where a speedster comes back from 
traveling in time and learns that Dr. Manhattan has changed everything in the universe. And it, and it was a direct response to everything people complained about with the New 52. I'm not saying Jeff Johns stole my idea, <laughs> but like, I'm sorry, I might have accidentally made Doomsday Clock. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like this is the, I feel like it's something that we're probably going to get into, mm-hmm. but to me, as someone who is not actively involved in the comics scene, it is striking that it sounds like two of the bigger plot lines in comics within the last within the last decade have been ones where they were trying to write in response to their own industry and how it gets kind of like it feels like it's self-referential, but not, like, self-critical in a way that's going to actively improve things. Uh, yeah, I would say that that's a big thing. I think I think one of the biggest problems in, in modern comics today is you have, you have... Everyone wants to make, like, a Watchmen, but they don't actually understand what like Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons were trying to do with that story and instead kind of just rely on either like reference either referencing and celebrating their own history just for the sake of it being their own history and not actually saying anything about that history or alternatively Mm -hmm. creators who say man this era sure sucked but this era is great and, like, ignoring kind of the actual nuance as well. This era had problems, but these aspects were there, and that kind of... I think you're dead on the money right there. And I feel like that problem also extends to media as a large. But we don't have to talk about that right now. I, <laughs> yeah, I got us a on whole, a tangent. <laughs> whole tangent, yeah. Um, so anyways, that was... Um, so that was sort of the origin, and I... I that of me kind of creating the Superman archetype named Paragon. Uh, cut to mm-hmm. 20, I think this was, would it, oh yeah, it would have been like 2019, because that was when I finished school. Um, mm-hmm. And now I have to completely shift gears and talk about the strange, wonderful, insane world that is TikTok cosplay and OC content, which is... Very different game, I realize. Yeah, but. yeah. Um, I, I am very curious to hear about this, especially because I feel like, with a couple of exceptions, most of the OCs that have been featured on the show, like my own included, have been ones that are mainly intended either for print, like whether that be whether that be like comics or tabletop rpgs or books that kind of a thing art Mm -hmm. or ones for like audio mediums like podcasts and stuff so i'm curious to hear how tiktok and cosplay factor into paragon (laughs) um so i i was i was in college when tiktok really kind of like started to become a thing and of course as Mm -hmm. you know as someone who as, as someone who was part of the vine generation i was like 
TikTok. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's you know, it's just trying to be Vine again. It's it's not going to be nothing. But I, in my sort of post collegiate boredom, uh, I was mm-hmm. like, you know what? I'll download it. Uh, and I had some friends who like you know made stuff because especially because this is the other thing I should uh, uh, go ahead and say up front. I went to school for acting, so uh, I'm a mm-hmm. uh, I'm a theater mm-hmm. nerd. Uh, so yes. dressing up, playing musical characters. theater, stage theater, drama, comedy. Uh, I did a little bit of everything. I did some Shakespeare, did uh, some musical theater. Though I will admit, my singing is not the greatest, uh, and I cannot dance for shit. <laughs> so, <laughs> sorry if you. It's have okay, to me that. either. <laughs> um. So, so I'm I'm scrolling on this, and, you know, and and um, you know, my the algorithm is slowly but surely kind of finding the content I, I like when I mm-hmm. sort of stumble across uh so the way tic- TikTok like OCs they were and cosplay were really big like a few years ago I think in general because like the way the platform has blown up overall it's kind of diminished like relatively speaking um but mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. one thing especially that was like kind of a big deal at the time was uh, there was a, a tag going around where people would create their own uh, Hogwarts professors for Harry Potter. Um, ah. And this was, like, this was ironically just before J.K. Rowling went, like, full turf. So, like, there was still, like, a lot of people who were actively engaging in Harry Potter fandom. <laughs> it was the last hurrah. It kind of was. It, it was. it was real interesting to see. Um, and I created a character for that um, that I ultimately didn't do too much with. I just I, honestly, I just didn't have a, like a great concept and all that. But what happened? Mm-hmm. What's what I noticed started to happen was a ta- like a tag would get started, and people would you know tag their videos with like hashtags and with their characters and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. What would happen is some people would get really big in in a tag, and then they'd start their own tag, and it would kind of branch mm-hmm. off. So you had kind of this core group of people who were, like, in, like, all the big tags and whatnot. Um, but then you had these kind of smaller mm-hmm. peripheral stuff. Um, one of which was uh, a superhero-themed uh, tag called New Metro. Um, okay. So uh, I... Uh, so, of course, my love of superheroes, I was like, oh this is great. This is the kind of stuff I, I, you know, I love to do. So I, I, you know, I looked, I checked it out and, you know, I started following most of the creators that on there. Um, mm-hmm, excuse mm-hmm. me. And, uh, what I found was it was a lot of people, like everyone would kind of have their, you know, they, they'd have their, their secret identity and then their superhero or super villain or, you know, whatnot. And there was a few people who were mm-hmm. doing like kind of stuff outside of that. But, what I noticed was ev- almost everyone in the tag was doing characters who were like teenagers or, or um, like college students, which makes sense because it was a lot of mm-hmm. young people uh, who were kind of participating in this. Yeah, and A, write what you know, and also B, a lot of people for, for a lot of people um, who are in i'm gonna say the content creator age range right now it's like they they are more familiar with superheroes and non-powered heroes who are young adults Mm 
if not teenagers. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. Like, your, your Spider-Mans and, and all that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Your Stranger Thingses and... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I didn't even think, thought about that. E- everyone, everyone of an unrealistic age from anime and manga. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, so, anyway, but, of course, me being me, I'm like... Uh, like, come on, we got we got to vary, vary this up, you know, and I, I always try to zig where other people zag, um, mm-hmm. just because to me that's very fun. Uh, so I was like, okay, well, there, and I, and I looked at all these characters and I was like, in terms of like the classical archetypes of superheroes, there wasn't anyone who was doing like, really like, like the classic figures, you know, like, like there wasn't like a, a Batman type or a, like... You know, I feel like I felt like it was there was a lot more room to uh, explore uh, with a with a character. So I was like, mm-hmm. okay, well, I and I've always loved Superman. Um, so I was like, you know what, I'm gonna create like a Superman type and have him be like an older guy. You know, kind of the older generation. Um, mm-hmm. I so I wanted to create like an older character who was kind of part of the the previous generation of superheroes that could sort of be yeah. like a mentor to a, like a lot of these uh, young up and comers. Um, mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I looked back to kingdom come and based my superhero, uh, my uh, character uh, on that sort of iteration of Superman, hence like the, the gray temples in the costume. Yeah. But I yeah. basically just kind of thought, okay, well, kind of what it was the archetype of Superman, what would that be like as an older character, and that's basically mm-hmm. how I figured out all the aspects of Jerome. Uh, so that's all yeah. the out-of-universe uh, history. Uh, shall I get into the in-universe history? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. And I figure we'll probably touch back in on uh, we can get back to TikTok later too, because I want to hear what it's like doing OC content on TikTok. <laughs> um, yes, abs- absolutely. Um, I mean, I can talk about that now if you if you want. Oh yeah, sure. Whenever, um, whenever you want to. I will say I will say this about like kind of um, doing a TikTok OC was interesting, and I and I did a few more afterwards, but I uh, it was it was interesting because. It's essentially a lot of like sketch comedy, really. Like at, when you get right down to it, because tic- the way that the TikTok platform works uh, pushes stuff that is like uses pre-existing audios that kind of go viral um, mm-hmm. and that mm-hmm. kind of thing. So it's one of those things it's, where it's derivative. It's not necessarily original. Yeah, to a degree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think that that's that's definitely. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're right. Like, and that's definitely a struggle when, because it's like there were a lot of videos that I made that were completely original audios that were either stuff I scripted for myself or things I like improved, like just by turning on the camera um, and all that. But there, there was a lot. But if I mean, if you wanted your videos to get seen, you use audios. So the hilarious mm-hmm. thing is that I ended up. I ended up using a lot of Brooklyn Nine Nine and Parks and Rec audios for Jerome, <laughs> um, because yeah. of ha- yes, because of kind of the way the character formed. Um, 
I ended mm-hmm. up a lot of a lot of Captain Holt from Brooklyn Nine Nine and a lot of Ron Swanson from uh, Parks and Rec. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot of a lot of beleaguered authority figures. <laughs> yes, ab- absolutely. <laughs> beleaguered authority figure is basically like Jerome in a nutshell. Because, <laughs> um, but yeah, no, and it was it's it was really interesting. Um, I'll tell you one thing that unfortunately is kind of a little disappointing about the whole uh, TikTok OC trend was Mm -hmm. tags would burn out really quickly. I like, Mm -hmm. especially the more kind of, like I said, it was like one tag would beget two more, those two, two more. So you go one, two, four, eight, six, you know, like, Mm-hmm. You know, it just keeps mm-hmm. going, and a lot of the times, creators because I mean, no one I mean, no one was making money off of their OCs or anything. Like nobody was doing it as like a job, like you could, in theory, do on like YouTube or whatnot. So mm-hmm. a lot of mm-hmm. so if you weren't like one of the big creators, a lot of people just like burnt out either because life or or even some of the bigger creators like stopped doing. Uh, OC content or shifted over to like cosplays and that kind of thing um, which yeah. is like t- like absolutely not like like I mean that's the thing people absolutely make their own you know make your own content uh, you know do whatever but it definitely mm-hmm. there was sort of a sense where communities would just like dry up like I'm I'm still in like the discord channels for like three or four um uh, TikTok OC stuff, and, like, with the exception of yeah. one, which started as a very small-knit group of good friends, um, mm-hmm. they're pretty much all, like, completely, completely dead. Um, which I will say is a little disappointing, because, like, I never got the chance to actually finish Jerome's story. Like, I had all this stuff planned, yeah. and I just, partially because I couldn't make it happen without, like, a real budget... Um, and partially just mm-hmm. because other people, like, just kind of, you know, it, it, the whole tag fizzled out, um, it just kind of led to, um, you kind of, yeah, like I said, just kind of everything, like, fizzling out, which I think is really mm-hmm. disappointing, um, in retrospect. Yeah. It's, it's that thing where, like, the common interest that was uniting a group of people has burned all of them out and it's always sad when like a community like that kind of just like disintegrates net it's it's sad if it disbands at all but it's sad when it happens when it's just like we're this thing that we all loved we just we don't have as much time to devote to it anymore oh yeah we love that's because of other interests or like real life stuff coming up like it's always sad to see it go well well it's it's kind of the inevitable problem that most D groups run into i think uh only on a kind of larger scale um but what i will say is i i was very thankful to do new metro uh and i have mm-hmm. there are some people i here's the thing i went to the netherlands last year because of new metro like, and because of Jerome. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah because uh, there was, so, like, 
I had made the character and I had posted some of the stuff and I had joined the, the discord group and all that. Um, and part of, so part of Jerome's character, uh, as I developed him was that he was actually the editor in chief of a comic book publisher. Um, Mm -hmm. and I was like, Oh, Mm -hmm. Hey, you know, that would be a great thing for other characters to be like the employees of this comic book publisher. Um, yeah, it's also hilarious because it's like, it's way more like similar to the way comic book publishers were back in the eighties versus how they are today. But that's just, you know, you got to do what you got to do for the narrative. Um, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but yeah, I met, uh, uh, ended up like the very first, the very first person to ever say, Hey, I would love for, if my character could be part of, uh, you know, your character, like work for your character. And, um, that, uh, that was, um, my good friend, Andrea de Brown, um, who it mm-hmm. was from the Netherlands. And, uh, I like, we hit it off and just became like very good friends. And I went to visit her yeah. last year. Um, which is kind of, kind of crazy when you think about like how the internet can actually <laughs> bring people together is like, I had mm-hmm. never, I had never, I mean, I had never even really thought that much about the Netherlands before. Um, I, I think <laughs> like most I knew was like Rembrandt was from there, I think. Um, and like, that's it. Like I had never. And yet because of that, I like, because suddenly boom, I have a friend from the Netherlands now. And mm-hmm. I was like, I actually, mm-hmm. I started to like tr- trying to teach myself Dutch um yeah and all that and i like like i said i went over to the netherlands and it is a beautiful country like absolutely a beautiful place lovely people um (laughs) fantastic public transit um like Ah, the dream (laughs) the dream well though to be fair it's also incredibly small i i remember we basically went across the country in like two or three hours like via train and i'm like i could i could only drive halfway through my state in three hours <laughs> like mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's the thing you don't realize how actually like big the united states of america is <laughs> until you're over in europe <laughs> and everything is yep. so much smaller <laughs> and condensed <laughs> yes yes but like i said it was it was a very interesting thing and i and like it was it it, again very interesting how i had this whole life experience because of this Mm -hmm. character um that i had created and his sort of the story that i was telling with him yeah yeah i think it's i i always think it is interesting to reflect on like what experiences and connections and interests have brought you to this point whether that be like something in my case like oh hey my this person and i have been following each other on tumblr for a while and uh now we have now we have podcasts together and in your case like coming up with this character on tiktok and now you have you are still friends with people that you met through the app and like you are real life friends too (laughs) yeah I mean, I feel like, I feel like, yeah, there's definitely a certain level of, oh, wow, this person is like an actual friend. I'm flying across an ocean and they're going to let me stay in their house. <laughs> like, 
that's that's uh-huh, a weird uh-huh. a weird experience is like all I'm gonna say. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> weird. Um, I hope it's weird in the sense of in the sense of like surreal and unexpected, not like yeah yeah no not like out of body experience or something yeah no no so i was gonna ask um that i realized that we never got on the track of talking about uh joseph slash paragon's like actual character background yes (laughs) like what's his story yes of course um so paragon uh jerome uh, you know let's start let's let's go all the way back so, in 1938, a baby crash-landed in the mountains of North Carolina. Ah, This okay. might sound okay. eerily similar to another character who you probably have heard of. Um, <laughs> I don't know, what's his name? Oh, yes, um, Omni-Man. Um, anyways... <laughs> Um, so yeah, so Jerome's whole backstory is basically cribbed almost identical to Superman. And that was very intentional because, um, Mm -hmm. one of the unique things about New Metro is that it is a world where, like, comic book characters actually, like, do exist. So, like, so Superman exists in this world, right? Okay, okay. So the fact, the idea that there was this thing that happened eerily similar to this fictional thing was very much kind of supposed to be kind of a theme that I wanted Jerome to represent, at least for my end of New Metro, if not, like, like, not everybody did this. This was very much just something, like, I was trying to do, which is sort of the idea of, Mm -hmm. in this universe, life reflecting art. Um, And also... And, and of course it's, it was very important for stuff I'll get into later. Uh, but I, but one of the things I wanted to do with Jerome as he, uh, as I was developing his backstory was I wanted him to kind of zig where Superman zagged. So instead of, uh-huh. uh, being raised by farmers in the heartland, he, uh, lands in North Carolina, uh, cause that's where I'm from. Uh, and yeah, yeah. he's raised by a mine worker, uh, who always wanted to be a science fiction writer. Um, so the fact that, you know, an mm-hmm. alien baby shows up on his, you know, <laughs> in his backyard is certainly a, uh, <laughs> you know, perfect for him. Certainly um, good inspiration. Yeah. And, of course, he, um, unlike Superman, who was an only child, uh, Jerome actually has, like, three brothers who I never got around to actually naming, but they were going to be part of his uh, his backstory and all that. Uh, three adopted brothers, obviously. Um Mm-hmm. So anyways, Jerome Jerome grows up and he seems to be a normal kid for most of his life or well for the mm-hmm. first like, you know, 8 or 9 years. Uh and then suddenly on his 10th birthday, his eyes change color and they turn this uh bright, vibrant purple. And that's oh? when his um powers start to manifest. And he finds that he is super strong, super fast, can leap tall buildings in a single bound. But of course, as I said, he exists in the world where where Superman is a fictional character. 
So he, of course, looks and he's like, well, obviously, I'm going to be just like Superboy. I'm going to, you know, uh, but his parents are like, no, you can't, you know, you can't reveal your, you know, anything and all that. Um, mm-hmm. Anyways, I, I, basically, then he grows up and mm-hmm. he loves comics. Uh, his dad always wanted to be a science yeah. fiction writer and couldn't. Uh so he's so he decides, all right, well, I'm going to move to the big city and I'm going to try to get a job making comic books. And what he really wants to do is draw comics. Um, but yeah, he, uh, his color, his coloring is kind of regarded as as weird and experimental and like artsy because he literally sees the world <laughs> differently because of his eyes. His eyes are so like... Oh, okay. Yeah. And th- again, this is another example of where I wanted him to zig where uh, he's where Clark, uh, where Clark Kent zags because that's the thing where he has this very noticeable, distinct uh, physical feature that when he takes off his glasses is very like... Is, is like... Oh yeah, like, and that's that's why the glasses thing works for him because his glasses actually change his eye color um, if someone's not mm-hmm. looking directly at him. Uh, this is something I one hundred percent cribbed from uh, Superman Birthright, by the way. Uh, only I took it like a step mm-hmm. farther. Um, if anyone's read that book, you'll obviously know what I'm referencing. Um, but anyways, um, so. He ultimately, uh, his artwork is not, is not deemed appropriate, but he does end up becoming a comic book writer, um, and ends up working in the industry that way, and eventually works up to Mm -hmm. being the editor-in-chief of Metro Publications, which is the local, uh, kind of, uh, comic book publisher in this city that's populated by other superheroes. Um. Yeah, the local imprint. Exactly. And he, uh. But of course, you know, he grows up and he's like, well, I'm going to be, there are other superheroes out there. I'm going to be a superhero myself. And so he designs his own costume, of course, and patterns it after basically his, it's his redesign of the Superman suit and kind of being like, okay, but what if we did this? And it's, uh, you know, <laughs> oh, this will be so much cooler. Um, oh, see, do not steal. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, essentially, that was the whole thing, was it was so supposed to kind of play on the idea of, you know, yes, he's a Superman pastiche, but even in-universe, he is patterning himself after this character. Um, mm-hmm. And as it went on, I, I incorporated a lot of elements from other Superman pastiches, just because I am utterly fascinated by the idea of what a pastiche of an established character can do you know like i think that's one of the reasons why you've got like why we've gotten all those like evil supermen in like movies and tv whether it's like homelander in the boys or uh mm-hmm. omni man mm-hmm. and invincible mm-hmm. or or even like brightburn which while i did not love that movie the idea of doing the superman story as a horror story is a fabulous idea that definitely should be tried again in the future, hopefully with a more <laughs> interesting take. Um, but I shan't get on to that. Um, 
So fast forward, like, to the present, and where we actually pick up Jerome in my actual TikTok content that I was actually able to produce. Mm-hmm. So, basically, Jerome becomes Paragon in, like, the 60s, 70s, somewhere around there. Um, and then, in 1999, Paragon dies. Or at least, to everyone else, he seems to die. And Jerome basically is powerless and uh for reasons that are not fully explained uh because i never got around mm-hmm. to finishing the story but basically <laughs> um jerome has since lost his powers and has been living um a you know normal life as this just mm-hmm. seemingly really fit 80 year old guy who just looks like he's in his 50s <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, now, have have you given any thought to, like, how or why he lost his powers? Like, is it, like, a burnout thing, or is it just, like, a gender identity may not apply here, but, like, super-powered menopause? <laughs> <laughs> um, no. So, the established story uh, is that Paragon died while trying to stop his nemesis, Reinhardt Dark, from reigniting, <laughs> or from, uh... Basically extinguishing the sun. Uh, Paragon oh flew, my. Yeah, flew up into space. He um, you know, used all of his cosmic energy that flows through him to reignite the sun and fell back to Earth and died. In actuality, it was just the mm-hmm. reigniting of the sun that um, ended up draining his powers. The notable thing, however, is that his eyes are still violet. Like, that did not go away. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because another area where I was zigging where Superman zags is that his powers are not actually internal. They are external. They come from a uh, cosmic energy source that his spaceship flew through when he was a baby. Okay, okay. Yes. So he does have, like, alien physiology. Like, his, his blood is blue, he is not human, um, but the actual strength and invulnerability and energy production and all that is not actually part of his physiology. It's external. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So it's it's more so that it's like his his exposure wore off. Does that sound right? Yeah, basically. Okay, okay. Yeah. Um so by the time we we meet him in the present, uh, he's basically, you know, he's just a mild-mannered, um, uh, co- you know, comic book editor um, who is surrounded inexplicably, seemingly, all of his employees are all, like, 20-year-olds. And that is <laughs> definitely very frustrating for him <laughs> because, as I said, mm-hmm. he is, like, an 80-year-old man who is surrounded, and, and that's the other thing that I, I really liked about playing him, was he was, I, I tend to create characters who reflect my own uh, biases and, and viewpoints uh, in the world, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. You know, anti-capitalist, very queer, all those kinds of things. Um, Jerome is definitely not anti-capitalist. <laughs> He is he 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 was an adult in during the Reagan administration. He is 
He does not understand <laughs> these kids, why they're all excited about Marx these days. Or, uh, <laughs> he is a little <laughs> queer, though. But he's, like, really kind of... Re- he's, like, he's kind of one of those people who's, like, repressed a lot of his queerness um, and doesn't like to talk about it. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. mm-hmm. um, I am incapable I of hope making he a is... straight character. <laughs> understood understood i was gonna ask i hope that just because uh jerome is not anti-capitalist i hope he's pro-union still right (laughs) yes actually that is part of his backstory he did he did oh thank god okay because in this universe um like he did work to unionize um the uh honestly more for like just the health benefits than anything else like, then for any moral, like, reason is more just like, yeah, unions provide this, this, this. It's logical we should do this. Um, but yeah, which is, again, partially kind of wish fulfillment on my end, because if you know anything about comic book, uh, the comic book industry's attempts to unionize, they have not been very successful and are really only, like, only mm-hmm. literally now are, like, unions at companies like image or seven seas even beginning mm-hmm. to gain traction mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. and sadly they're not always oh what am i saying they are outright not given like being recognized by their companies and it's, by their workplaces yeah it's that's it's it's real shame it's it's certainly a shame it but it is it it really it really is disappointing when when companies and employers actively do not want their their employees to be better represented yeah it's yeah it i don't know i mean th- this could be a whole tangent anyway so yeah, but yeah no ab- absolutely um so anyways um mhm but that's kind of the status quo for Jerome when we meet, like when like we meet him in like if you go back and actually like watch the the videos I made, that's pretty much like where we mm-hmm. meet him. Um, but of course, it's like, well, this is a superhero tag, you know, he can't just not have his powers like forever. So there was a storyline, um, mm-hmm. so that was eventually going to see him get his powers back. Uh, but I'll be honest, I kind of just really liked playing with him as this, like, as this guy, as, as just this guy in the city, especially like, because, you know, he, he mm-hmm, was mm-hmm. a very famous comic book writer. Um, you know, he's, you know, very well known. So some, uh, some of the other characters like that, uh, ended up like would have, like, wouldn't actually know his work. So like there were. Like, some of the people who were working for Metro Publications, like, read his stuff growing up. And they, you know, they idolized him. Uh-huh. Or, uh-huh, like, uh-huh. the mayor of New Metro City, uh, Mayor Madeline, was a huge, um, like, was, like, was a huge reader. Um, and they, that was probably, that was another, like, instance of collaboration with uh, another creator. Because um, we really mm-hmm. built a very, like, like well-connected um story basically about um basically uh madeline is sort of trying to secretly get information on like 
superheroes uh secret identities <laughs> and Uh-oh. yeah and Neil say that was not jerome was not happy when he heard about that especially because he he had initially endorsed madeline's uh mayoral campaign um mm-hmm. you know because because he thought oh well here's a politician who believes in right and wrong and all that kind of stuff and you know uh, then turns out, she, hey, she was a politician. So, <laughs> um, I mean, she does believe in right and wrong. It's just that she has a different idea than uh, Jerome. But that was yeah. kind of the big, like, the the first big plot that happened with Jerome was basically mm-hmm. Madeline finds out through surreptitious means that Jerome is Paragon. So, to her... Uh-oh. Yeah, yeah, or rather was Paragon. So to her, mm-hmm. like, the greatest hero... And sidebar, I will say this. It did strike me after I made the character, oh, I made my character literally the most important person in this universe's history. Um, <laughs> probably shouldn't have done that, but honestly, I, I ended up becoming very good friends like with um, one of the tag's creators. And she mm-hmm, was like, mm-hmm. no, it's awesome. I love that you, like, I love Jerome. He is everything I wanted people to, to make. <laughs> so, like, go for it. And I was like, okay, awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, I I feel like it's one of those things where it's like, the, just because you did, or just because, like, Jerome did something monumental as Paragon, like, literally reigniting the sun <laughs> to save us from annihilation as a species and as a planet like (laughs) but it's not the but it feels like it's not the end like he's not necessarily held up as like a messiah figure for doing this if that makes sense like like it was very important but his act was not the axis on which the world turns if that makes sense yeah i mean he again again he definitely like he has the whole like there is, it is established, like, I think in one video, that there is, like, a Paragon wing in the, like, city's museum, uh, like, dedi- like mm-hmm. dedicated to him. But um, it was one of those things where there was always definitely, like, supposed, like, everyone had their own plot lines. And so there was, like, there was a rich, there was a rich history, I think, to, and, and a whole, like, world to New Metro outside mm-hmm. of just Jerome's. Mm-hmm. It's just, mm-hmm. this was kind of the corner that me and some uh some of my friends were playing in um because that's yeah because that's thing like my my best friend and writing partner matt uh he ended up creating a character um who we decided to slot into like that his parents knew jerome as paragon when he was like you know like way back in the day um so there was kind Mm -hmm, of this like mm -hmm. history that we all kind of built together for the for the character um yeah and which was really really awesome um but and that that segues into the as i was saying uh with so madeline finds out that jerome Mm -hmm. is uh you know or was paragon and jerome Mm -hmm. whenever when he's confronted by this keeps insisting no paragon is dead and I think this is one of the interesting things about him is he doesn't, when he lost his powers, he didn't see himself as Paragon anymore. He literally, like, 
he has this idea that Paragon, that he's not lying when he says that Paragon is dead, because as far as he's concerned, Paragon was the powers and was, you know, not him as a mm-hmm. person. So, yeah, Paragon is mm-hmm. dead. He has tried many times in many ways to try and get his um, his powers back, and none of them have worked. Yeah. So he's just resigned himself to, okay, well, Paragon is dead, and that's not a lie. That's... Um, that that's the truth from a certain point of view. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Needless to say, everyone that he actually tells this philosophy to calls bullshit on him and is like, "What? No, you your para- like your paragon, and you lied to the entire world." Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And let's see, I, there's a reason. Actually, I did think of like there's a reason why he did that, but I'm. It is kind of spoilers for the stuff I never actually, like, got to do. So I'm debating whether or not I should... Up to you. You know what? Okay, yeah. So, um, assuming (laughs) I ever do get around to actually finishing the story in some form or another, which I really would like to do, Mm -hmm. I'd like to do it as either, like, a comic, like, a webcomic or or something like that. Um, Mm -hmm. But here's the thing. So you you remember how I mentioned Reinhard Dark was the villain that tried to... uh, Extinguish Turn the sun. off the sun. Yeah. Yeah. So, before he was Reinhardt Dark, he was little Richard Dark, the neighbor of Jerome Joseph back in North Carolina. Oh. Yes. Okay. Um, again, playing on the, the Superman uh, kind of thing with uh, him and Lex Luthor mm-hmm. being best friends. Mm-hmm. uh when they were in Smallville. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, Rich, Richie, who's a few years younger than Jerome, um, basically was the first person that uh, Jerome told his, uh, you know, told his secret to. And Richie was definitely like all, hey, no, you should, you should go. You should, like, you should be a superhero, you know? Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So they were, you know, essentially testing out Jerome's powers one day. Um, all I'll say is it didn't go very well for Richie. Uh-oh. And Richie found himself in the hospital with a good chunk of his body burned. And Jerome... Oh, no. Jerome, with his super hearing, heard him moaning all night. Oh, no. And it was at that moment that Jerome swore that he would never, ever, ever, ever tell anyone, endanger anyone by telling him who he was ever again. Oh, Jerome. Yes. And that's sort of, and that's like the whole, like, whole crux of his character is that because that's the thing, pretty mm-hmm. much every, any sort of connection, like, he, that's the thing. He is, in my opinion, one of the great things about Superman is that, is the way he has those human connections, right? With Lois Lane and Jimmy Olsen and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, all those. Mm-hmm. But Jerome, because of this, because of what he did to his friend, was so incap, like, it scarred him so much that he was incapable of 
ever opening up to Forming people again. Forming those bonds. Yeah. Oh. And that's sort of, that's the thing. I'm that, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. It, well, that's what we do as writers. We torture our, our darlings. <laughs> I, w- I wish Jerome an extremely confidential therapist. Yeah. Well, Again, he was, he he grew up in he grew up in like the fifties and sixties. He was he wasn't in a small southern town. He was not about all that therapy nonsense. <laughs> Again, very different no. from my viewpoint. I've been to therapy. Yeah, it's wonderful. Yeah. Everyone should do it at least once in your life. I think personally. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> now I'm just I'm just picturing. A squad of Jerome's twenty-something employees, like frog marching him <laughs> to to the therapy sessions that are provided by their health insurance. <laughs> yes, that actually that that actually would probably solve many of his problems in life. Not not gonna lie. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, um, that brings me to a, a question that I was gonna ask, which is because. Because Jerome is so much older than a lot of both, I imagine, the current generation of heroes and also uh, his employees and co-workers, how, how does he interact with them? Is it kind of like a, oh, look at you youths kind of a scenario? Or is he like, is it, do they get, is it a mutually beneficial relationship? I think Jerome is... Um... He's very, how do I put this, patronizing. Um, not in, like, a bat, like, not in a, <laughs> mo- like, he doesn't mean to. It's just he, like, he's always sort of been, he's been the leader of the superhero team, the, you know, the he- hero, the, you know, the mentor. So he sort of mm-hmm, has this mm-hmm. inherent, just, like, tendency to see himself as the as as the authority figure for for lack of a better term Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. which Mm -hmm. he is in in, like in terms of like as the editor-in-chief of the of the uh publisher he 100 is and he is 100 like you know absolutely having to sort of rein these you know all these young whippersnappers in um but at the same time it also gives him a sort of uh you know he he automatically assumes he knows best and doesn't like to listen like that's the thing my uh, my, mm-hmm. my buddy matt's character uh julian basically we had we never we never actually got around to making it but we wrote a scene where julian julian figures out the truth and storms into his office and is like you know, you knew, you knew this could have happened to my parents. This is, you know, my parents' death is your fault. You know, like, why didn't you, you know, why are you cowering in here? You know, and, you know, he, and Jerome just is like, what do you want me to say, Julian? Paragon's dead. I couldn't do anything. I'm not Mm -hmm. the hero. Like, I'm not the hero that I once was. Like, you know, it's like, and that's he doesn't even like actually say that he is Paragon. He he just keeps repeating the old mantra: Paragon is dead. Like Paragon died twenty years ago. Um, you know, mm-hmm. all that kind of thing. Um, and Julian like calls him on it. He's like, "No, what? Like, 
you're like you're gonna hide behind this lie okay but maybe maybe you're right maybe paragon is dead because he's certainly not the man in front of me today um yeah oh! yeah it was a re- <laughs> it was a really good scene i'm really mad we didn't we never got around to filming it um but <laughs> uh but yeah so that's sort of that's the way jerome at least outwardly uh behaves even though he's he's got a lot of internal like you know conflict and all that but again he stuffs stuffs his heart full of uh or, well n- not his heart but he you know he just he kind of stuffs his chest full of tin and is like mm, nope Tom the tough old man you know gotta tough it out <laughs> okay. and then he smashes it with a hammer yes <laughs> that's actually the one of the funniest things is like is I know there's at least one video I did where he's like he's mad about something and he like hits his hand against the table and it like he, he he then is like, "Ow, that didn't used to hurt." <laughs> oh no! <laughs> yeah. By the way, did I ever explain his name? Oh no, I don't think so. Okay, so Jerome Joseph is a it's a play on Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster, the creators of Superman. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure most people who like are familiar with Superman probably figured that out, like you know, back in the first mm-hmm. thirty minutes. But mm-hmm. I just figured, you know, I'd clarify that. Um, but yeah, nice. What was what was ultimately like supposed to happen? It with um, mm-hmm. with Jerome was he was supposed there was supposed to be a storyline called Whatever Happened to Paragon, uh, which would have gone into like the full backstory at, at least the the backstory of Jerome's side uh, that he would have, that was going to be framed as a story he was telling to Madeline when he finally kind of got over himself and decided, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to tell her the truth um, and all that. Um, But sadly, like I said, never got filmed. And then there was supposed to be Jerome getting his powers back. uh, But by that point a lot of the other creators had kind of like i said had had been burnt out or had moved on uh i know at least one mm-hmm. of the people who created mm-hmm. the tag basically completely just like dropped off the like face of the earth um mm-hmm. face of the internet <laughs> well yes yes um they, yeah. <laughs> they, were, they were still doing stuff they just like had kind of on a dime just lost all interest in uh doing like oc stuff which is like like i said is fine and i don't I, you know i do not begrudge him and uh, i mean i don't begrudge anyone it's more just kind of a fact of what happened um and i ended up kind of much as i love and i do love jerome and i love his story and all that i was like eh, well the tag isn't really as active so i'll kind of so i just kind of put him to the side worked it worked on new characters did some other mm-hmm. stuff mm-hmm. and uh but uh, but yeah, there was yeah. there was a lot like like I said, lots I had planned. One story I kind of wanted to do was um, he mm-hmm. was gonna was Jerome was gonna get invited to the funeral of the Batman equivalent in this world, um, Wolfman, yeah, um, who again is another kind of archive or um, not archive um, relic from uh reality break wolfman was supposed to be the batman archetype in 
uh, that story. Um, Mm -hmm. So Paragon and Wolfman have kind of always been uh, like two characters that to me are like intrinsically linked in my head. Um, But yeah, so. Mm -hmm. Kind of an anticlimax, I know, but uh, that's... That's yeah. what happened. That's that's. <laughs> For what it's worth, if you do want to finish Jerome's story, I think you should, because like, this is a character that like clearly you have a lot of investment in, and I'm a big fan of giving closure to creative projects. This is going to be a revolutionary concept, but. Sometimes you can make things, and you don't have to put them out on the internet. <laughs> they can just be for you. What are you talking about, Christina? Everything is content, okay? <laughs> Monetize your hobbies. Make that bread. Uh, it's all about that hustle. You know? <laughs> I, I am being serious, though. I, if, 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 fit, if concluding... Jerome's story in a way that is satisfying to you is something that you want to do. I think you should do it. I mean, I definitely, I definitely would want to. Um, it's one of those things where, but because Jerome is as sort of precious to me as, as he is, I really want to make sure that mm-hmm. if I do tell a story, I do it in the right way. And I've considered various mm-hmm. ways. I've like considered, well, maybe a prose novel because then I can just write it and it can be wholly my thing Mm -hmm. and all that. But at the same time, it's like superheroes are such a visual medium. I've found that like, well, Mm -hmm. a comic is, but as I said, I can't draw. So I would need to find not just like an artist who I like, whose style I really like, but it would have to be someone who I could also like implicitly trust with my baby. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. which I think is is the is always sort of the um, the struggle in the collaborative uh, in any sort of collaborative medium. But that's the thing. Jerome himself came from a collaborative medium because I did not create mm-hmm. the new Metro like setting that I ported Jerome into this setting and. The other characters that other creators made, like Madeline and uh, some of the others, were also not, like, that grew out of just, oh, I see what this person is doing. Hey, you know, like, send them a message. Say, hey, I really love what you're doing. I think it would complement what I'm doing. Let's do something together. And that sort of, that collaborative experience is is honestly something that, like, while I think writers or or creators in general can sort of we can be so precious about our darlings. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Being being open to that sort of collaboration thing is something that I really love. I really love about the, like when I did when I uh, you know was in college doing theater, uh, when or when I'm doing any acting thing um, or or any sort of creation mm-hmm. or like Dungeons and Dragons or or whatever like or uh, role playing games um, that I've done. Yeah. It's like part of it is that it's not just you it's it's working together with multiple people to create this thing together so um Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but yeah yeah and i think that is probably a good seg into uh, the last question for today which is daniel 
Why do you love Jerome, Mr. Paragon, so much? I love Jerome because, uh, like, well, I mean, for all the reasons I mentioned before, he, uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. he allowed me to meet these, um, like, some incredible people who I consider friends, like, to this day. Um, he allowed me to tell a story that I didn't even realize I had always kind of wanted to tell. Um, but like once it clicked into place, I was like, oh, this is, this is great. This is brilliant. This is like, you know, not to do my own horn or nothing. Um, but I will Mm -hmm. say, I think one thing that I haven't talked about that I love about, uh, Jerome is that because of kind of the way he was created, he has become more than just this character to me he's become sort of a a symbol of all the sort of creativity that i've been working on for years now you know again the fact that he started as this you know nothing character in this idea i had Mm -hmm. back in you know as a teenager which itself i mean wolfman was an idea i had back when i was six years old you know it's like it's all built on top of each other um, and also mm-hmm. for, to mm-hmm. like, when I was working on the character, I ended up, I went back and I read a lot of Superman uh, and Superman, like pastiche characters like Blue Marvel over at Marvel Comics or, uh, Kurt Busiek's Astro City, which is a fantastic book. Um, and it was reading those and sort of thinking about what Superman represents and the way Jerome is so different that it actually made me appreciate Superman that much more. And now, I mean, you can tell by my icon, Superman is my favorite superhero <laughs> ever. Like, mm-hmm. because I just, mm-hmm. I thought about everything that makes Jerome different from him is also all the things I love about the original character. And, you know, now that character mm-hmm. is so much more important to me um, in a way that, you know, has brought me closer to other other people uh, i remember there's uh someone um one of my coworkers at the uh at the comic book shop i work at uh is like was also a huge superman guy and like we just spent one night like we were putting books out uh that were supposed to come out on wednesday um and it was just us in the store and we just like we just like we're talking about superman and just like everything that he represented to us and why we love him and just like it was mm-hmm. like and that from that moment on, like we became good friends because we bonded over this character. So, so I guess if I had to sum it all down to yeah. one thing, <laughs> Jerome has brought me closer to other people. Ironically, considering that he pushes people away, he's taught me. He's taught me <laughs> how to not push people away and how to, you know, keep strong the connections that I have with other people, which I think is what you know being a human mm-hmm. is all about i mean we're social communal creatures and you know no man is an island and all that yeah junk so <laughs> <laughs> um so thank you so much daniel for coming on today to talk about jerome i mm-hmm. have loved getting to hear about him and his identity as paragon and also like this the wonderful community that y'all had have had on tiktok uh, yes, yes, thank you. While I'm on here, shout out to previous uh, 
Wayward Home guest, uh, Jolene, uh, who Mm -hmm. designed the, or helped me design the um, Paragon logo uh, that never actually made it into a physical costume. I, it's like half sewn together, like, and unfinished. I kind of do want to finish it someday, but unfortunately I've also like gained like a few pounds since I started working on it. So, um, but I just wanted to say on the record, um, that Mm -hmm. she is brilliant and a genius and thankfully pointed out (laughs) to me how my original design was not going to work and helped me make the design that actually did work. So thank you, Joe. Uh, you're the best. Oh, good. And good. Yeah. Uh, and if you have Heck not yeah. listened to her episode and the other contract writers episodes, go listen to them. Go, it, it's fantastic. <laughs> Learn about the Japanese bugmen in post-apocalyptic Australia. It's great. <laughs> duly noted. Duly noted. I I think those are somewhere in episodes sixty-nine through like eighty-seven. I think. I think. I think. Yes. So yes, yeah, so and yeah. this this is the part where I get to ask you, Daniel, where would you like to be found on the internet? Do you have things that you want to shout out and or promote? Um, so I guess I will I will go ahead and of course you know say if you want to uh, watch watch any of the the Jerome uh, content, um, at Daniel Adkins three six on TikTok, um. That's kind of, that's my handle generally everywhere except for uh, the bad website, or as it's known to most people. Which one? Uh, exactly. Uh, Twitter.com. Uh, you can find me mm-hmm. on there uh, at Daniel Adkins PRD, um, as in Philip Road Daniel, um, which, uh, I mean, I don't. It's one of those things. I don't really make a whole lot of like content elsewhere. Um, I'll occasionally mm-hmm. make YouTube stuff, but and I've been trying to sort of wean myself off Twitter in recent years because, as I said, I feel bad that website. <laughs> um, but I will occasionally mm-hmm. post mostly, pretty much just thoughts on comic books. So if you want to hear um, another white males uh, cisgendered guys thoughts on comic books uh there you go <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um but yeah good, and good. otherwise i'm floating around the internet and you'll just have to catch me in the wild <laughs> i don't think i've ever had a guest before say find me on the internet if you can well <laughs> i don't it's okay <laughs> uh i'll go ahead and do my outro then the Home for Weird OCs is a part of the Corner Podcast Network. We can be found through Acast and your local podcasting platform of choice. Our theme song is Violet by Poddington Bear, courtesy of the Free Music Archives. We can be reached at waywardocpod at gmail.com or at waywardocpod on Twitter. Uh, this podcast is partly recorded on the ancestral lands of the Kiakapui, the Ka, Osage, and the Osetisakoan Oyate. Uh, if you would like to talk about Wayward or the other Corner Podcast Network shows, we have our own Discord server. Uh, there should be a permit invite uh, linked on the show Twitter accounts, but if you can't find it, message one of us and we can get you that invite. And I'm always looking for guests to talk about their original characters on the show, 
So if you or someone you know might be interested, feel free to drop me a line or fill out the Google form, which is the pinned tweet on the Wayward Twitter account. And as with all podcasts, this is always super helpful if you can subscribe and rate us on your listening platform of choice, because that helps us to find a wider audience and to brighten more people's days. So, thank you all for listening. This has been Home for Weird OCs, and we hope you enjoyed your stay. Whenever I start to sound smart, I have to immediately undercut it. It keeps my enemies <laughs> underestimating me. <laughs> Defeat your enemies. Yes. Defeat the internal enemies inside you. Yes. Fight the evil in your mind. For the evil in your mind is the <laughs> true enemy. Hello, and welcome to Queer as Fact, a queer history podcast. My name is Hamish, and I use he, him pronouns. Hello, I'm Alice, and I use she, her pronouns. My name's Eli, and I use he, him. My name's Irene. Conventionally, I use she, her, but I don't really mind what you use. We are four history students huddled in an unstable blanket fort to reduce reverb. In each episode, one of us will talk about a queer topic from history, whether it's a person, an event, an era, or an object, while the rest of us will make interested noises and ask questions. We tried very hard to nail down a definition of the word queer before we started this podcast, but there has been a lot of history across a lot of different cultures, and one simple definition of queer is not going to work for them all. So we'll be engaging with this question from episode to episode as we explore new contexts. If you listen to a few episodes and like what you're hearing, then you can find us on Twitter as Queer as Fact, on Facebook as Queer as Fact, and on Tumblr as Queer as Fact, because we are incredibly on brand. You can also contact us directly at queerasfact at gmail.com, and we will be very excited if you do. From all of us here at Queer as Fact, thank you for listening, and we'll see you in episode one. Except we won't, because it's radio. <laughs>